Hi, I'm Colleen Nelson, licensed therapist, trauma expert, and fellow badass woman ready to rise up right alongside you. This podcast, Let the Rest Burn, is for the woman who has ignored, attacked, or even silenced her inner voice because she thought it was broken and needed to be fixed. It's for the woman who is ready to rise up and fully step into her desire, her joy, her full power, and make the impact she was destined to make. For the woman who cannot stand one more second waiting, watching, and witnessing the world crumble and is ready to rebuild and expand into a better future. For a woman who is so done trying to fix the world, she decided to start with healing herself and she let the rest burn. Okay, everyone, welcome to Let the Rest Burn. I'm Colleen Nelson. And I have a special guest on today. This is Mike Nelson. Uh, He is my former partner and my amazing co-parent. I wanted to bring him on today because I wanted to talk about uh, the wounded child in relationships. And there's no one I know better to talk about that with than uh, my ex-partner because we obviously, we've been together for about a decade and we navigated this in our marriage. Now we navigate it as co-parents and friends and I really, truly think that this is the core piece of what a lot of relationship issues come from. And so I wanted to bring him on and y'all have talked, have heard me talk about our divorce and our marriage and how we've navigated that as co-parents. And so I wanted to bring him on and just have you experience from his perspective, you know, what happened and how that showed up for him, but also you know, when two people come together who live each other, care about each other, how the wounded child can really disrupt the ability to show up as your mature adult selves. And I think that this is an important conversation for any of you out there that are married and navigating this. For any of you that are navigating divorce or or struggling in your marriage, you'll definitely relate to this because this comes up, I think, for everybody, no matter how happy you are or or where you're at in your relationship journey. So welcome, Mike. Hello. Well, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us what you do. Any of that? Um, my name is Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um, I sell beer here in Northern Colorado. And pretty much it, really. <laughs> You're a father. I'm a father, too, obviously. <laughs> we all know that. Single parent. Um, navigating post-divorce and co-parenting and continuing to work on myself. Yeah, yeah. Something I think that Mike and I did really well in our divorce journey was acknowledging that there was a lot of our our own inner work in in the kind of disintegration of our marriage. And yes, we've had our moments, we've pointed fingers, we've yelled, we've helped, we've had all the things, but never have we ever said, you know, this is all your fault, right? There's always been ownership on both of our parts as to what happened and why we're here. I mean, we're both still healing, so it's not it's not completely over. I don't think it ever will be. But I want to talk today, you know, Mike, in particular, I really want to know for you, when you think back to, let's say we were, we met in 2013. Oh. Yeah. So when you think back to 2013 and the the man, the boy you were, when you met me, you know, what are some of the things you notice now that really was your kind of unresolved wounded child self coming out But back in the day, like early meeting time? I mean, a lot of it. Uh... Most most of it, a lot of the immaturity that I was that I was navigating life at twenty seven hours when I was doing it. Yeah, I mean, reflecting back on it now, it's I mean, that time I had no idea based on life decisions I was doing or avoiding 
my addictions, a lot of that stuff that I never faced or wanted to face or had fear of facing that definitely looking back on it now, it it could be, it'd be a huge red flag. I mean, I see it in people today that I see at that age and I I could pick it up from a mile away. That's so true. So like, Ooh, they've got some work to do. Uh, So Mike and I, something I, I, I think is great about our story and also like, Hey, red flag <laughs> about our story is um, we met each other and rather quickly fell head over heels. And I mean, like both he and I were like, okay, finally it's done. Let's go in. And it was fun. It was beautiful. It was, it was young love. It was definitely a, a beautiful piece of our story, but there were things early on that we should have picked up on our relationship dynamic that we never talked about or discussed or really worked through. We just kind of jumped into each hoop. One by one by one by one. We met. Mike moved in with me pretty quickly after that because he was actually moving back to Wisconsin. So we like lived together for like three weeks, I think. No. Yeah. And you know, it was it was wonderful. It was bliss. It was the beginning, right? Like, but we we were escape artists. So let's talk a little bit about how our wounded child shows up. For me, I was looking for a relationship that felt easy, that felt fun, lighthearted safe. Um, I wasn't asking any of the hard questions. Like, what do I want in a partner? What do I want in a father for my kids? Um, I was just wanting somebody that was going to escape with me, have fun with me, um, choose me really. Like, I think the wounded child for me showed up so solidly in this place of wanting to be chosen. And it wasn't just anybody, right? It wasn't just, you didn't just show up and I was like, you'll do. It was just this place where we both wanted to be chosen so badly. It was like our wounded children knew each other. They were like, oh, hey there, I know your, I know your stuff. Let me make you feel better and you make me feel better. And so we did a lot of escaping. Oh. We did, you know, plenty of drinking, um, lots of fun, but we didn't really have a lot of the hard talks early on. I mean, do you remember navigating any like challenging life conversations those first six months? No, not then. It was, I mean, yeah, obviously still fresh in the honeymoon phase. And just, I mean, for me too, a lot of my issues too, just leaving them behind and not focusing on them and just being happy someone is giving me attention and the time of day, especially being freshly moved out here in Colorado. Didn't have a lot, I mean, I had some friends, but I didn't have a lot of friends outside of those friends or coworkers and that kind of stuff. So just to build a relationship in general. Well, it was really amazing at the time yeah. and to get the infatuation, you know, just the, Oh yeah. yeah you know, I was obsessed. You know, right. Like, I was, and, and that feels really great. And it's also concerning. Which I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. And, and it probably fueled a lot of my escape things mm-hmm. as well. Cause I would not focus on my own self, you know, or I had the knowledge to focus on my own self. And I was just mm-hmm. giving my attention to what was giving me the time of day. Right. We kind of stopped doing our own personal work or I actually completely like abandoned my career. I was like, well, I'm out. And I moved to Wisconsin literally six months after I met him, which isn't uncommon. I do think people at six months after getting into a relationship will make big moves. But I mean, I just like ripped up everything I knew and just like took off, um, which at the time, some of the red flags that I think like I was identifying in myself is I was starting to get into that kind of like parental, almost naggy, 
know-it-all place. So my wounded self gets very like, I'm going to control everything and I need to be the boss and I'm going to like, I, I'm right and you're wrong. Like I get into that place when my wounded child gets activated. And so, you know, Mike had some escapism. I'll, I'll let you speak to that. Um, early on, he enjoyed himself quite a bit and I got triggered by that. And instead of setting healthy boundaries, having a good conversation, like letting my adult self come in and, and talk, I just got angry and mean and, and snappy. And we, we kind of fought over the issue that wasn't the issue. Right. And those first six months, you know, do, what for you, would you say would be the red flags that not what you saw in me, but like, you know, what you saw in yourself that maybe I missed or you today, you don't have anymore. I mean, yeah, a lot of that, especially when we moved back to Wisconsin, it was, yeah. I picked up right where I left off in my immaturity, you know, managing the bar on the beer scene when I was living that single life in my mid twenties, you know, and mm-hmm. just going out with friends is, you know, as much as you want working late, you know, until two or three in the morning, coming home late mm-hmm. and just putting my relationship, like it wasn't even our relationship. She was just a, a ride for the, you know, along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just on this, you know, I had these blinders on trying to just live the party life. And a lot of that came out too, and with the nagging you speak of and all that, with my wounded issues as far as like my mother mm-hmm. on top of it, because it felt like, all right, this is a relationship I've created that is the same as my mother relationship, mm-hmm. and I want to escape it. Mm-hmm. I will not tackle it. I will not go against it, and I will run from it. Yeah, you know. And we all have parent issues, right? Like no matter how great your parents are, um, nobody wants to be parented in a relationship, and I think it happens often. You know, we all look for that protective father or um, nurturing mother, and we end up kind of navigating relationship wounds with our partners. And that's common, but if you don't have awareness, if you haven't done your work, if you don't know what that is inside of you, you project it on your partner. So he and I played that out a lot. Then we got pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it was like, oh shit. Um, and, you know, before we found out we were pregnant, we actually had talked about marriage and you would ask my parents if you could um, propose. So we had plans of moving forward, but it it's accelerated everything. Right. And then it put a bunch of responsibility. I've always wanted to be a mom. I think that uh, the second I found out, it kind of shifted my thinking a little bit out of the wounded child and more into that um, that mother adult role. I started to actually kind of rapidly do some inner work but I didn't share any of that with Mike and I wasn't expressing myself with Mike. I was just starting to kind of reevaluate my life choices. And I mean, I couldn't drink and escape either. Right. I had to really try and do the best I could to take care of my body. I wasn't very happy. I didn't have a lot of friends out there support. It was just a really rough time trying to figure out how to still be in love, have this baby coming in that neither of our families were super excited about Sorry, Charlotte, if you ever listen later, they did get excited later, but like, you know, this is shocking to everybody because it's very quick and, and it just, it, it took away that time period in our relationship where we could have really dug in. I don't know if the, the two adults back then would have dug in, you know, had we not gotten pregnant, I'm not sure what would have happened. I just know this set us up, you know, to be in a position where, uh, we just continued to avoid, and then we kind of threw ourselves into the parent role. 2015. Do you remember all the things we did in 2015? Yeah, big year. Yeah, big year. <laughs> um, you want to say them? 
Uh, yeah, so Charlotte was born in March of 15. Uh, soon after that, three months later, we decided, I mean, we were talking about it for a while, and we knew after Charlotte was uh, born that we wanted to get back out to Colorado, both for going to further her career, me to further my career in the beer industry, and honestly, going through a winter in Wisconsin again, it was just... <laughs> Non-negotiable. Yeah, yeah. So... Probably what, June, I think we April. April, yep. Yeah, put my house on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and then started packing things up and getting things in order to head west again. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, you know, those plans in place. <laughs> I don't even remember the timeline. We moved in with my parents. We did, yeah. We moved in with your parents for like six months. <laughs> just just to land. I had to had to start finding a job. Mm-hmm. I uh, started my job. She yeah, you had one in place. That was the big factor why mm-hmm. we made the decision to go. Um Charlotte was with us, obviously newborn still, a few months mm-hmm. old, living in your parents' basement, two dogs with us. Um mm-hmm. uh, and then um we were engaged too with wedding coming up in October. What were we thinking? Our wounded children were like, solve it, solve it, solve it. I got to get, we just got to stay busy. We just got to like put our head down in the sand and pretend like nothing has happened. And we're just going to prove everybody wrong. (laughs) Like our wounded children were like, no, like we are right. And we did, we shoved like everything into that year. Week after we got married, we closed on our house as well so we moved out of the basement into the house and you know then it was perfect we, you know we went off <laughs> jobs, and that's the end of our story <laughs> actually I do think that first year things were pretty good like I actually think Mike and I kind of got into a decent groove I was but I, I really think it's because we were so busy we were working a lot we were spending a lot of independent time and it wasn't until we navigated some tough stuff. We had a miscarriage uh, before uh, we conceived Waylon and things started to pop up, right? So 2017, 2018, we weren't really sleeping a lot. Waylon was a tough sleeper. Uh, Mike was navigating some new career stuff. I had gone into my own private practice. This is where I think our wounded children like took over. They like locked our adult selves in the closet and took the mic and like ran the show. And honestly, this is what led to our decision at the time to separate and then divorce because we really got toxic and did not treat each other well. And this is where I think the story is hard for both of us, but it's, it's truth. And I just, I want to talk about it for a minute. I don't want to deep dive on it too much. Maybe another episode will really get into it, but I want to talk about it for a minute, own our parts, and then I actually want to transition into what it's been like to co-parent and and parent with our wounded children. So 2017, 2018, you know, what stands out to you is how your wounded child showed up in relationship in particular. Um, A lot of it was avoidance and my addictions, like just working in the beer industry and for hot up and coming brewery that's super sought after it's just you know it's like a rock style lifestyle um i mean events every night um parties you know selling beer tasting beer um travel a lot and no sleep at home either you know yeah and it's just a lot of a lot of fun go 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 Mm -hmm. go 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 and so 
I resorted to a lot of things back into my mid twenties during that time when I felt like I was just a, a single solo person that didn't have responsibilities or anybody to answer to. And it made me, you know, neglect a lot of things in my life that were actually there, but I never acknowledged it to that sense. I was just in this haze mm-hmm. um, of go, 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 work, 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 and not realizing what I had at home. And I think the biggest part of that, my wounded child is my own upbringing as well. You know, having a dad present, but not emotionally present, you know, doing the same thing. He was working late, you know, always working, gone in the morning, home at night. And, you know, just, you know, never, there was not a man enough in my life to teach me how to be a father or how to be even a man myself. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's little things that he did that was great that I carried into my life, but Mm -hmm. the masculinity was never completely there. And I never knew what that was or how to find it or what it actually meant until I started doing my own work. Mm-hmm. And same on with my mother and on that relationship, it was kind of, you know, either avoid it or, you know, be the nice guy, good boy mm-hmm. and not get in trouble or be the bad boy and get the attention from that outcome as well. Um, and so I carry that into our relationship and create a lot of codependencies between us where it's like, you know, I didn't want to make clean mad in our marriage and all that so I you know I always just did everything did everything wanted to do this wanted to do this to make her happy so she shouldn't have to but then I would stay out late and do all that and then I would get the reaction you know because I felt like I was not getting the attention at home that I deserved in our relationship so I would act out mm-hmm. as the only way to get the attention from her and then I mean obviously that's not the right way because that would just snowball into a lot more other things yeah. you know yeah I think our biggest issues centered around alcohol for sure. And like an inability to communicate what our needs actually were, right? Like Mike needed time and affection and attention in a way I wasn't giving him with two young kids and, and alcohol played a role for you to escape it. And that's when we would fight, right? Because that's when that little boy would come up and like speak his truth, but he'd speak it in a way that was pretty harsh. And, um, and for me, you know, I was exhausted, depleted. I, I was running my own practice. I was running the entire household with the kids um, and just trying to give him some space to do his stuff. But I wasn't honest with him either. I mean, I was really into my people pleaser as well. And the wounded child, like she just felt like, okay, I can't trust anybody. And if I can't trust anybody, then I might as well just do it myself. Next month, we'll talk about the ultra independent. That's the one I stepped into hardcore. But that is also like a cold, like, I don't need anybody. They both come from a place of being wounded and just wanting to be loved and seen and cared for. Um, And, you know, I have great parents as well, but they just the emotional component of holding emotional space, communicating emotionally between each other. I didn't see much of that either. I saw my mom kind of put her head down and do what she needed to do. Um, My dad worked a lot as well. And we just kind of did what we needed to do. So That was, I think the biggest piece is we both put our heads in the sand. We both put our heads in the sand and then we would fight pretty bad when alcohol was involved. We would fight on big holidays, which was always pretty brutal. He would get nostalgic. I'd get frustrated and nostalgic. We'd get into this, like always this place of this wounded, like you're not doing enough for me. Why aren't you showing up this way? Like we were constantly blaming each other for that, right? Like you should do more of this. You should do more of this. There wasn't the like, wow, I have some shit I gotta work through. Um, I started seeing a therapist around then, and I think I started to recognize a piece of this. I mean, obviously, this is work I do with clients, so I had a bit of an advantage 
right? Like that I've done my own work in my twenties, but this is a whole nother level, right? When the shadow archetypes show up in your relationships, I'm telling you, this is different than individual work. This is, he's poking stuff in me. I haven't been, I had poked since I was 10, right? And vice versa. You just don't really know it. Add parenting to that. And it's a whole nother level. So, you know, we did things, we said things that were at some point, uh, a level of unforgivable, right? We had to, we had to end the toxic marriage we were in as challenging as it was. We tried multiple times to come back together, but neither of us were healthy enough to get to that place. Um, as much as we respect and care about one another, it was really challenging to overcome those pieces until we individually did our own work. And, you know, that's, that's super tough because I think both of us really wanted to make it work. But by the time we got to a place where we actually could work on it, there's so much damage that had been done. And, it's hard to rebuild after that. It's not impossible. I you know I see people do it, but it's it's really challenging. So Mike and I made the choice to, you know, separate and divorce and kind of go our own path and do our own work. And I think that um as co-parents, you know, what has shown up for me with the wounded child is this very much like why me sometimes I'll get frustrated because I want you to do more, but it's not your role anymore you know, or I'll get frustrated that I have to take something on alone, right? Like, so I'll get angry and frustrated. Like, why am I in this alone? And so that we have to be careful in those spaces. You know, for me, I I don't want to text him or call him in that space because I'm mad, I'm hurt. And so I'm really wounded that I'm doing single parenting alone. I'm really wounded that I don't have my kids. And when I get into that space, I have to be careful not to communicate from that space. I get super triggered. What about you? How does it show up for you in the co-parenting piece? Oh, I think a lot for me is, is still um, my boundaries and what, sure. as well as, you know, the people pleaser with it too. You know, I still carry that codependency in our co-parenting where it's like, you know, I know how hard it can be with, you know, mm-hmm. single parenting and all that. And I just, you know, I want to rescue you at times and take care of stuff and all that stuff. But I know... I, 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 it's not my responsibility, so to speak. And whether, you know, I mean, it goes to an extent where it's like for the well-being of the kids, I'm obviously there, but all this stuff that we had in our marriage where I would, you know, want to make sure this, this, all these little small mm-hmm. tasks were done, you know, I would lean onto them, which didn't really matter, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, it's like I put so much energy into those kind of things where I was, um escaping the actual energy that needed in our relationship but i mean there's still you know wounded child stuff that shows up in our co-parenting stuff besides that but mm-hmm. it's still i mean it's still on the road to try to navigate you know that but i think my biggest thing with it is is you know that wounded child like you know i don't want to come at you for you know i'm I'm trying to avoid the reaction of it being yeah negative Mm-hmm. And I carry that. And I can't be afraid of that because mm-hmm. it's not my side of the tracks anymore on some things. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm still trying to work on. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. It's like neither of us want to upset the other person, right? Like it's, we have a, we have a very good co-parenting relationship better than most. We do a lot of family stuff together. You know, Mike is extremely helpful with my animals. You know, I help him with different work events that happen. We kind of trade off different things to each other but at the same time there's boundaries that need to be set there's um, navigating the world of dating like there's things that we're doing that neither of us want to hurt the other with right and and that 
is still there. It's still there. I mean, it's, it's hurtful. It's hard. It's difficult. It's not easy. And so how we are honest and let our adult selves have those conversations is kind of the, the individual components and the work that he and I have both done. So for me, I, I really dug deep into my own inner child work, um, my shadow work, especially I've got some mentors and therapists that helped me navigate through this last year in particular. I did a lot of work around my own sexual healing, around um, healing the little girl who wanted to be chosen and that kind of chasing desperate energy, like, choose me, choose me. Mm-hmm. I'd get into the wounded feminine where I'm just like, I'm a hurt gazelle, you know? And he's like, oh, I'll come save you. And I'm like, don't save me, right? I can't, I can't. It's just so unhealthy. And then, you know, there's a lot of healing around that feminine energy that I am still currently doing and, and really trying to shift within my own body and my own self. You know, what have you done, Mike, since our separation or divorce that you feel like has really helped you navigate the masculine in your own? I mean, I've done, I've done a lot of therapy work as well yeah. through our divorce and stuff like that. And, you know, I did a men's group online last mm-hmm. year and stuff like that. I've read, you know, you read, you read all the books and stuff like that, you know, but a lot of it is just like self-reflection um, and, you know, clarity of like what you've done and looking what you've mm-hmm. done and what the reaction or the outcome of it, mm-hmm. you know, and realize what you need to change. And I think, I mean, I still carry my own stuff that I'm still working through, you know, wounded father issues and mother issues and, you know, a lot of that. Um, yeah. and understanding it but um it's just continue work and it's you know it's never gonna be done but it's just having the mindset of you know i mean the only thing i can contribute to our divorce is that i've actually realized how bad i was yeah you know and yeah. actually got a grip on reality and you know try to grow up a little bit it was a know? gut punch for sure yeah, whether you know blindsided or not, but it, it actually it means that it's what it's what I needed. It's what most that's the problem is that most men don't understand it, and it's, by the time they do, it's it's too late, you know. Yeah, and it's how do you educate people on when they're going through it? As I have like, you know, a lot of men that I know are going through divorce or mm-hmm. already did it and stuff, and it's like you know I can see the tracks happening and yeah. it's like I, and, I, and it doesn't matter how many times you tell them they're not going to listen until it happens you know I was the same way people were telling me you know slow it down you're you know I won't listen and then then it happened but and for and I think I'll, I'll speak to the women but I also think you know this can be for any partner I do wish I would have put down firmer boundaries with you earlier on yeah. you know and with myself too I think I needed to ask for help earlier on and ask for support in a different way earlier on um I fiercely wanted to do it on my own, which made me really burned out and overwhelmed. Um, but if I would have said, I think early on, I'm going to leave if you don't stop this and really meant it. If I had even like actually left earlier on, um, my heart would have been maybe in a better place to heal. By the time I was done, I was done, like done, done. And that, that really hurt Mike because he finally woke up and was like, okay, I want to fight for this. And I was like, well, I'm done. I've been fighting for this for a year. And he's like, what? You know, and I know we knew it, but I wasn't necessarily, I was trying to be amicable. I was trying to approach it lightly, you know, and, and that happens, right. It happens where, and then, you know, 
we both got to a point where like, okay, this is like, we just have to call it. And so I think it's so important as you're navigating the wounded child in relationships to recognize it, it shows up regardless of how healthy you are. It just is there. conscious relationship work is hard stuff. Um, Mike did his group with the evolving man, Ben, him and, um, oh my gosh, rising woman, Shay are a great example of conscious partnership, right? They have done their work. They continue to do their work. I love recommending them for anybody looking for conscious relationship work. They know their stuff. But I think if you are navigating this, don't be afraid to be extremely honest with your partner. Like, do not like, I know it's going to make them mad at first, but it is so crucial. You speak up for your wounded child. When you shove her, him down or tell him that he can't be voiced, he comes out sideways. Yeah. Right. I think my biggest thing was is in our relationship, the communication thing was the only thing I ever saw my parents communicating was screaming at each other, you know, right. and that's, I would drink and then she would, you know, poke and pull it out. And then all that wounded child would come out as a volcano. Yeah. Know? Yep. And then I'd be wounded, you know, like, and it's, it just go back and forth. And when we were both good, we don't want to talk about it. Yeah. We don't want to poke each other. And yeah. it's like, that's the time to talk about it. That's when you bring it up. Um, and, you know, we won't get into this today. I think maybe this could be another day. We'll see how everybody responds to this podcast if you want to come back on in a couple months or so. But I do think the next level of this is in parenting and seeing our children and their own woundedness and their trauma from the divorce and just also being kids in general. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I carry a lot of things over. I, I see it in my, you know, son and daughter already, just like what's happening and how I'm acting as a father. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's like in the moment, you don't realize it until afterwards. You're just like, you know, you know, I'm turning into my parents, <laughs> you know, and my kids, I can see them already turning into me and their, their wounded child coming out already. Yeah, and that's more so just on the the single parenting side, but obviously going to carry out. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you have two people in the house or one; you're still going to lose your shit sometimes. And, um, you know, my daughter is brilliant in the way she's extremely deep feeler. She's full of empathy, and she's very expressive. (laughs) (laughs) So she will tell you how she feels and how, like she. She gives it to you straight and man, is it brutal sometimes. Um, and you know, our son is pretty reactive and also gets some people pleasing perfectionistic tendencies himself, right? He really wants everyone to just be okay. And yeah, he wants to keep the peace. Keep the peace. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Charlotte wants to let everybody know the peace has not been kept, um, <laughs> which is great. We need both. Right. Um, there's no shame in either of those experiences. It's just part of how they're being humans. But I think witnessing that, recognizing it, owning our shit is the number one way to help our children uh, heal their inner child. Um, I don't care who you are. Your kids are going to have trauma in their inner child because the world that we live in is traumatic itself, right? But as a parent, you can just acknowledge it. You don't have to gaslight them and tell them that it doesn't exist. It's about owning it. So. I kind of want to, I want to end today's podcast just on one final reflection, right? If you could tell your inner child, your inner wounded boy, anything, if you could go back in time, the little five-year-old Mike, what would you say to him? It's not your fault. Mm. You're only picking up on your parents and their shit. 
you know, and it's not their fault either. It's a generational thing. No one had the mechanisms or tools and to understand it and work through it, but you know, we're getting way better at it, you know. And this that it's it's okay to feel, you know, mm-hmm. that you have you can feel this way, that way, and that, but you know. It's just, all valid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong for feeling that. Yes. Oof. Well, and it, I think that's powerful. And it's some, and even now, like I bet you, him saying the not la- that out loud made him feel a little bit of emotion. Am I right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like saying it because our our inner child is actually listening. I'm not poking him too much. I could make him really cry if I wanted to, guys. But I'm not going to. <laughs> I won't pull out the therapist because my little girl needs to hear all the time she's not too much to be loved. Right? That that she's she's allowed to be her full big dreaming ridiculously chaotic animal loving self um and she's lovable in that space uh and how i show her that is how she heals so how you show him that it's not your fault and that you can feel good enough yep and that you're good enough inherently and how we honor that first individually is how we heal that part and then don't project it into relationships. I can never expect Mike to tell me that I'm lovable enough in my too muchness. He can't do that for me. I have to. I can never tell him he's good enough. I can't give him enough accolades or enough gratitude. He's always going to wonder if he's good enough unless he does that for himself. Right? So healing your inner wounded child is about being the person you needed as a kid, not looking to your partner for that because it will never work. They'll never be able to do that. They'll be able to help you heal aspects of your relationship, but you've got to do the inner work first or alongside the relationship in order for it to work. So I appreciate you all for coming on. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, hopefully it wasn't too torturous. (laughs) Until next time, uh, next month, we are talking about the ultra independent. I can't wait my favorite it's I don't trust anybody to do it so I'm going to do it all myself you know that one very well (laughs) so we'll talk all about that shadow archetype number two next week uh when we get into you know what is the ultra independent and how does she or he show up in our own relationship so until then have a wonderful rest of your week and I will talk to you soon see you later shadow slayers Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single second that you chose to set aside for you and the impact that you're going to have on the world today. To be inspired, to be seen, and to hold space starts with the very actions we take with ourselves. Look at the show notes for more information. Like and subscribe and share with friends if you feel inspired to. And as always, let the rest burn. Burn.